Welcome back to Ascends Theater Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed with me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. As we turn the page to start a new chapter and a new book in 1 Timothy here, we're actually moving to a different type of epistle. The former epistles that we've been looking at were written to large groups. This now moves us into Paul's epistles that are written to specific individuals. Here, Timothy and First and Second Timothy and the next one, Titus. These are personal letters that we have the benefit of learning from. They're also generally called the pastoral epistles in terms of their writing to an individual who is shepherding the flock of God in a specific area with some ways in which that person can be challenged, grown, stretched, molded, and shaped into a better leader for the Lord. And so some of the items that we're going to focus on here are more focusing our attention to what leaders might be focused on rather than the specific smaller issues that people might be struggling with. So how do you lead somebody through this process? How do you walk with people who are struggling through their sins and working through the way in which God is calling them to live their life before him? And so that is kind of a good way to begin to think about what's going on here in 1 Timothy. As we jump in to focus on one passage and one point of what's going on here in 1 Timothy today, I want us to focus in on the way in which we see Paul reflecting on how God has worked in his life. So he's going to be challenging Timothy to think about a lot of different things that people around him are struggling with. But he wants him to know that he's not without his own struggles. Things haven't always been easy for Paul, nor has Paul always been doing the right thing. 
Paul has been rebuked, corrected, and brought back into a place where he is once again useful to the Lord because of how God is working through him. And so when we look down at verse 15, it says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. It's a really good reflection on the humility of Paul in the situation that he is. Because we've seen in other places that Paul struggled as an individual who was persecuting the church. We even see that coming up here in this passage as well. But he received mercy, verse 16, that God, in his plan, saved Paul from going the wrong direction, used other people in that process as well to build him back to be a useful person for the kingdom of God. And so Paul's desire is for Timothy to be able to do that with these individuals who are in his midst. When we look back at the beginning of the passage, it talks about these individuals that are struggling with these different types of beliefs and teaching these other doctrines and bringing these things in. Some of them might actually be at the point where they are willfully going that direction. We see that possibly mentioned here with the individuals at the end of the chapter. Verse 20 gives us these two individuals that are blaspheming the Lord, or they're teaching these false things about him. And so Paul is wanting Timothy to be restorative in what he's trying to do, but he also wants him to know that there's a certain extent that he's going to have to just allow these people to go. That if they're going to continually willfully move away from what is the truth and what is the sound doctrine, that he needs to be able to focus in on the people who are desiring to be able to learn from the Lord. And so he shares a little bit about his own struggles. He shares that. He does it humbly. He does it to hopefully encourage Timothy as he walks with these people and as he seeks to bring them back. Because as you think about what Timothy's position is, he's a very young shepherd leading this flock. And in doing so, he greatly cares for each of the individuals that he's ministering to, desiring that their faith is growing and that it's efficacious to drawing them closer to God and making them useful to his kingdom. But as he walks through these situations where it's not taking place, I'm sure he's struggling with, is Timothy the problem? Is he not good enough to help lead these individuals? Are there his own inadequacies keeping these people from growing? Has he done something wrong in that process? And so Paul wants to give him an ability to think about how God is working through his midst and how God is willing to work through the imperfections and draw others to himself. And that he does that because he's the king of all ages, because he is the only God. And that is why we continue to worship him. And so Paul is doing that. And I think that it's a good reminder for us that as we seek to speak about our faith, we may not be in the same position as Timothy, but as we seek to put the gospel on display in our life, we're really opening ourselves up to those around us who might be taking that and not actually responding the right way to it. And so if we see others who are possibly rebuking us because of what's taking place, or if we have others who are not being drawn to the Lord by our ministry, it's not necessarily that it is our fault that that's taking place. It has to be the work of God working in their hearts, bringing them to repentance that allows them to see their need for the Lord that is going to have the full and efficacious work that we desire to take place and that we receive joy when we see ourselves being a part of God's mission and a part of the process of him drawing others to himself. And so as you think about that today, hopefully that encourages you that that just like Timothy and many other shepherds and thousands of pastors through all generations have needed encouragement and thousands of leaders and Christians have needed encouragement when they see others around them not responding rightly to the gospel. 
As far as a question for today, I do want us to look in at a specific aspect of what's going on here because I think it could be rather confusing on first read. And so this is a situation where maybe the translations that we have don't really help us to see the totality of what we're talking about. And so specifically looking down at verse 8, it says, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. As we think about that, many other places we've seen really the downfall of the law and the pitfalls of following it. It wasn't able to save. It wasn't able to give lasting reconciliation between God and man. So how is it that we can say that the law is good? A better reading of this would be something more along the lines of, now we understand that the law is useful. And it's useful, and it gives the specific situation that it's useful in the following verses. The law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient. And perhaps you've thought of an opportunity that you had to reflect on the list of things that God was expecting in the law. And you're able to see the way in which you're not able to do those things. And you see then your need for someone to help you with that. That draws you to the heart of the gospel. That's a useful tool that the law is in that process. But it's not saying that the law is good in terms of, hey, the law is good, let's follow it. The law is all we need. And I think that in looking at this, if you read that statement, and I know that others have really struggled with that thought, how is it that he can say the law is good if it's not really able to do all that we need? It's saying it has its own use, and that goes in concert with what we've seen Paul say other places about the law. It is something that was useful for a time and for a season, but it is no longer useful in terms of being fully efficacious and fully sufficient for what we have, because the gospel shows us something much greater. While the law was all that they had, they should have been following that, but it always pointed to something greater in the future. And so as you reflect on that, there's many other things that you could focus in on in this chapter, many other situations that you could dive into and take a deeper look at what's going on in these passages. But hopefully this has given you a thought about how you can reflect on how God is using you with the unbelievers or the people that are interacting with the gospel around you, as well as understanding even a greater part of the process and the fullness of the story of God and how the law had a purpose in God's redemptive plan. So as you reflect on those things today, know you are loved.